Boys and girls, welcome to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Ray Diaz. I'm Aaron Arnold. And I'm Austin. And we're just a couple of buddies living in Hollywood, uh, going after that Hollywood dream, actors, filmmakers, all that fun stuff. And today, got a special guest, director Misha Marcus. Hello. Misha's in the house. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Appreciate you being here. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so thankful that you decided to grace us with your presence. I just watched your uh, film. I am still here. Loved it. So let's just let's get it right into it. Feel good movie of the year. (laughs) Yeah, one of those kind of movies that definitely leaves you with a lot of feelings. Definitely, I felt something being there. And then, of course, Johnny was uh, one of the one of the leads. One of the extras. So let's introduce. How would our audience know you? It's like what would they have seen of yours? How would how would they know you? I'm best known for I Am Still Here. I'm the writer, director, producer of the film, and it's a film that's been near and dear to my heart for a very long time. It took seven years to make it from beginning to end, and um, I just knew that I wanted to make a movie that was basically about uh, what women go through and young boys in this country, about a subject that a lot of people don't want to really talk about, which is child sex trafficking happening here in America. A lot of people don't know it happens in America, or they don't think it really happens. They think it's much a third as, world kind of thing. Right. A lot of people do. And unfortunately, certain states um, still refuse to actually pass laws and legislation that really goes and protects the, the victims and the survivors of trafficking. So hopefully with movies like this, we'll actually be able to bring more of a dialogue to it so that we can make the changes we want to see in the world. Doesn't everybody want to... Republican, Democrat, wouldn't everybody want to get behind this? You'd think so, but unfortunately, it's a really big moneymaker, and if you always follow the money, you can Mm. find out where it's going. And unfortunately, judges, doctors, politicians have obviously been linked in some of the stings that the FBI has done to bust these. Wow, so this is the kind of stuff that the conspiracies, like, oh, these higher-ups are involved in child trafficking. It's true to an extent. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you always just, it's a very small circle. And usually what it takes is following someone like in Jeffrey Epstein, who is friends with people that are very, you know, influential, like a Bill Clinton. John Podesta? (laughs) John Podesta? No. Oh, wasn't he? Jeffrey Epstein. He's he's a multi-billionaire and, you know, he's been charged many times with being a pedophile and preying on young, innocent girls as young as like 12 and 13 and he's friends with people like Bill Clinton and people like Donald Trump. And so you have to just follow the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even like re- in like more recent news, too, there was like the whole, it's not really with children necessarily, but the whole thing with like Robert Kraft, mm-hmm. the owner of the Patriots involved right. in like this, you know, soliciting prostitution or whatever. But then they kind of find out it was like a sting operation. It's not as bad as a child. Though. No, I know. But I'm saying it still goes with like that whole. Oh, absolutely. That's a whole world of like all these high up people being involved in these like really dark circles that we don't really hear about. But it kind of does say that it still happens here and not just in like taken or something. Yeah. You know, where it's. Absolutely. You no, know. absolutely. And the, and the problem with films that you know want to talk about difficult and gritty subjects sometimes people specifically producers are very you know put off by that because they're like well who's going to want to see a movie about that but we've actually been really successful in making a movie that is really true to what a lot of these girls and boys experience and as a result of that we have been at numerous you know um human trafficking awareness events all over the country and so i feel really blessed to see what this little film that was, you know, my producer Stephanie said, the little engine that could was able to do. It's multi-award winning, right? Yeah, we're at including a, best actor. Right? Yes, multiple right. best actor awards Ooh. for uh, Johnny Ray Diaz and Aaliyah Conley. Oh, because of all because of you though. But oh, you know, thank hey, you. how many awards did it win officially? Because it won, I know, a lot, like thirty or forty or I something. Think we're at fifty. Wow. Stop counting after fifty. I, I remember being at when we took Papua around to film festivals. Our short film. I remember Johnny being recognized 
for I Am Still Here. Oh, yeah, I remember Ed. Yeah. He came in to talk to you, right? <laughs> yes, I do remember Ed. <laughs> I, think he, I think he saw it at like Bare Bones or something. He did. We Yeah, we were in tons of festivals all over the country, uh, some bigger than others, but we got such a great response from audiences wanting and thirsting for things, you know, that are different from what mainstream Hollywood is putting out. So I was really, really happy and surprised by the reaction that we got from our, the audience at large. I, re- I remember it because he, he came up to me and he's like, now I remember, now I know where I see you. He's like, you look so different in person. And then on top of that, he's like, oh my God, is that Misha? Is, is that, that's, she directed it, right? And I was like, yeah, man, like you, you want to go talk to her? Like I'll introduce you. And he's like, really? Like I, I can, I can talk. I'm like, bit of a groupie. <laughs> yeah. Great guy, great guy. But it was, yeah, it was, you know, a testament to what you did. Oh, thank right? you. So what did the inspiration from, for the initial film come from yeah so the initial thing that happened was they actually busted a brothel near where i was going to college and i was taking a screenwriting course and i said to my professor i was like what happens to these kids after they're rescued and he goes i don't know you're the writer do your research and figure it out i was like oh okay yeah i mean he was just very by the book no bs just do it. That's your job. You're the writer. Research it. So I did. I started going to all these nonprofits that actually go and rehabilitate the girls and got to speak with them one-on-one, which was incredible. And I just noticed that over a year of me doing this research that a lot of their stories were very much similar to each other. I mean, just the amount of grooming and what they do, how it's a slow process to get that trust and make the girl or boy feel that they have no one else to turn to. It's it's really horrifying, especially when you look at you know documentaries like Surviving R. Kelly, which is bringing again awareness about people that are predators who prey on young innocent girls. Yeah, yeah. Haven't, it, haven't seen that one yet, but is it? Because uh, in the film, it was just little girls, right? Right. But do you know how much is little girls versus eighty percent is little girls, twenty percent little boys. Mm. Sexist. Come on, dude. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Um, no, that's. I mean, that's pretty. That, that's pretty. Made. And you went to school at Chapman, right? Yes. Okay. Were you studying directing there or writing, or was, I was it studying screenwriting? Okay. Mm-hmm. So initially, when you decided to write this script, did you always have in mind that hey, I'm going to direct this as well, or was it kind of more of like, well, I'm just going to let somebody else take my vision? I mean, I just like, I guess I lived with it for so long that I knew exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do the film. And I, I approached numerous different production companies and everybody was really interested in it, but they wanted to make the girls older. And I was not okay with that. Why? Uh, to make the audience more comfortable, believe it or not. Oh. They thought that seeing children being abused, or even if it's implied, would be really uncomfortable. And, you know, I get it, but at the same time, this is the reality. And I wanted to keep it as close to the reality as possible. Yeah. I like that. Sometimes it was uncomfortable a little bit, but it, like, yeah. drew me in. It's like, wow, this is... And I have a question about the reality, because it was really interesting. I don't know if this is what actually happens, that um, when they... It seemed almost like for lack of a better word, when all these guys were in like the living room trying to decide which girls, was like a modern day like auction, slave yeah. auction or something. Is that like what actually happens? Yeah, I mean it does. It just depends, but a lot of the girls can are definitely kept in boarded up areas where they do not have access to the outside world. And others are so basically, it's like Stockholm syndrome where they don't feel they can ever leave the trafficker. So it's, right. you know, you have varying degrees of what kind of trafficking you're dealing with, but a lot of the time it's the traffickers moving the girls around so they don't get caught. Or in, or in some cases even almost like falling in love right. with the captor, which is what kind of happens in the movie essentially with one of the other characters. Mm-hmm. The um, photographer. Right. Well, I mean, I guess if you just call him just a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> that was just his occupation, right? Yeah, that's right. It's just right. a descriptor. There's plenty of things to call them. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, a lot, lot of, uh, a lot of issues there. Um, no, that, it was, it, and for me, like working on the project, maybe you can kind of. I, I mean, I clearly remember the casting process, working for when when I did this. But maybe you can kind of uh, talk to some people out there because I, I remember actually recently uh, seeing somebody post something on Facebook that they were a little hesitant to even consider auditioning for a project because they were uncomfortable with the subject matter because it, it, it said it involved like young kids and it was like pedophilia, things like that. Um, 
So what was that casting process for you like, especially for people that are considering doing this? Like, how did you, how did that process go for you guys? Well, for me, I think it's important to, well, let's start with this. It's really important to have movies that are about uncomfortable subjects. I think oftentimes in society, especially as Americans, we get often too comfortable. And so for me, the kind of films I want to make, I do want to make people kind of question their safety, their reality, everything that they know around them. And so I think it's important to do those kind of movies as a filmmaker. But as an actor, I think it's important to research the people that are behind the project, seeing what their track record is. And mm -hmm. often that can make you feel a little bit more comfortable about what you will be implying or you know right. acting in. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I remember actually the initial audition i was already there was already some hesitation because i remember like i showed up and it was at a house and i was like i don't know what's going on here you and never then, know you and never then know. i you know obviously reading the sides i'm like i'm beating this little girl and i was like I'm showing up to the house and i'm just like you felt like the victim i don't know what's gonna ha i don't know what's gonna happen here so, so there was some hesitation i was like so you know funny story is we actually did have a um, a casting office we were going to be renting and we lost it last minute. So we were like, shit, what are we going to do? Like, where do we go? Oh my God. And so I said, well, I, I live in Culver city. It's like, you know, I have like this front room that we can use. The back room is separate. Yeah. I, I guess we can do it there. And so we did. And <laughs> it was just a really funny experience. I mean, one of my neighbors was like freaked out that all these people were reading, you know, at my house and seeing them right in front. And they're like, what, what's going on there? Like what's happening? And so, you know, I mean, just living in LA and trying right. to make a film on a, a shoestring budget, you know, you just kind of do what you've got to do, unfortunately. So then how did, how did it, um, you know, obviously there was, a, I remember there was a lot of people there. Um, and I even think the first time I had to leave or something, cause like, I couldn't stay or something. Um, but how did you kind of whittle everything down? Because it was this your first time casting a project? Yes. Okay. Will yes. you do it again? Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I had really great help. I had uh, my my co-producers, Christian Bebis and uh, Catherine Botts, who also now co-writes with me. And, um, you know, I think having a solid team behind you just makes things a little bit easier and so, I mean, it did take, like, it was grueling going through and having all these people audition. But at the same time, you just kind of see, like, little puzzle pieces start to come together. And as soon as, as Johnny came in, I was like, oh, God, that's our Ricky. Really? And I, I just You're knew. You're like, what a creep. <laughs> I just, I, I knew. And, you know, uh, there was a guy who had read for it before and, you know, Christian really wanted, she's like, oh, we should give him a shot. And I was like, I mean we can give them a shot, but it's I'm too late. Let it go, man. <laughs> I'm just, You're like, just, why waste this time? I just, I kind of already knew I was like, it's Johnny. And then I had her come in when he read the second time and she was, yeah, I guess you're right. He's amazing. I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is. You know, it was one of the weirdest experiences I ever had, um, was the callback <laughs> because, because we, you had, it was like an audience. It was like yeah. a show. I was like, are we putting performing the movie right now? Well, like it was so weird. Who there was, in the was a reason. There was a reason for that. Well, the parents of the kids were there. The parents of the kids were there, and I kind of wanted them to feel comfortable, know what we were doing, and so I really wanted the parents to be on board because I knew that was the only way there was going to be a successful project was if the parents felt as you know, as married to what the film was trying to do as we were. And so they were. They they loved what we were doing. They loved that we were making a film that was a statement piece. And, you know, they were all on board and were there while Johnny's, like, slapping himself with a belt. And it was just, you know, all of the parents are like, ooh, are you scared? And I, I actually remember one moment that was so funny. Aaliyah Conley's dad. Um, she was the main girl? Or? She was the main girl. She played young Layla. And uh, she her dad ended up asking... Um, Leah, are you going to need therapy after this? And she goes, no, why? Because I will. <laughs> wow. That was one of my questions to Johnny, but he was like, oh, we might want to ask the main source. I'm sure you must have Go got this all the time at the film festivals, but how was it directing those little girls? If, if they, like big picture concept, conceptual wise, like what is happening or how they should act? Well, we ended up, 
being very protective with the kids. In fact, most of them had no idea what they were depicting until they saw the finished film at our premiere. Um, so a lot of things, like for example, Aaliyah, who is the lead actress, you'd think she'd know what she was depicting, she didn't. And she, you know, we had her come up during Q and A's and they'd ask her like, do you feel that you were traumatized? She goes, guys, it's movie magic, okay? Nice. I didn't even know what it was until I saw it. I just thought I was kidnapped. And that's all she wow. said. So it's, you know, you kind of give them a little bit just to, you know, run with those emotions. So for example, I said, you know, I want you to imagine you're never seeing your dad again. I was like, I want you to envision that, that pain. And she did. And it translates so beautifully with real tears. So... I mean, it just really, I think tears are tears and the audience reads into those emotions with their own emotions. Mm -hmm. And that's how you have True. a really strong, a strong feel, film. Did any of the uh, parents ever have a more negative approach to it? Like, hey, I, I don't really, I don't know if I really agree with what you're doing with the kids. Like, you know I, know, I know most of the parents on set were very supportive, but were there other ones maybe during the casting process or other moments where they were like, I don't know if this is really healthy for the kids to be around. Did you ever have any problem like that? You know, we didn't with any of the, the actors' parents, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Not that I can recall. Everyone was pretty, you know, we were very transparent from the get-go. This is what we we're trying to do. We want to make a film that's a call to action. We want to use it as an awareness campaign. So this is what we have. And we sent the full script right off the bat to the parents so they knew what they were getting their, their kids into. And um, I think one scene that, like, everybody had some concerns over is uh, there's this character character that ends up dying in the film and so the parents were like well you know how are you going to film that I was like very cleverly I'm going to you know the little girl right with the little girl yeah so um with that scene it was pretty funny spoiler alert uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny that's uh <laughs> with that scene we had to use really close camera angles because we had about 40 people in that room all the parents wanted to watch that scene so it looks very claustrophobic when you're watching it and it works but it works because we had all these people and we didn't have the room to really you know experiment a lot for the folks at scene. home i mean i don't know how you even we're talking about a dark scene, guys. Yeah. Gotta watch we'll have to watch. It's on Amazon Prime. If anybody wants to watch, that's how we did it. Yeah, yeah. we're going to be uh, streaming soon, so hopefully that's uh, going to be happening within the next week or two. I, I've already, I already streamed. It is streaming. Already, it's streaming. It is streaming already? Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched it on Amazon Prime. What? Yeah, I already can yeah. stream it. Oh, my gosh. Did you rate it? Did anybody rate and review? Yeah, you've got to rate and review. Yeah, of course, I did it. I haven't done that yet. It'll be the first rate. That's awesome. I love that our distributor hasn't even told me that yet. Okay. Yeah, I just, I, I casually was like, well, I know I can buy the DVD, but let me see if it's, uh, it lets me play. And I just hopped on the app and on the, on the TV and I was like, oh, streaming. That's cool. awesome. Oh, actually, oh, that makes me feel so good. I Instagrammed, um, as my Instagram story, Johnny's, um, I was watching this movie earlier today, Johnny first meeting the girl talking about like pizza and ice cream. So oh, just gosh. that one clip. So it's part of my story. And your mom just commented on oh, my uh, story going to me. <laughs> Mean guy. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. And it has nothing to do with the clip. Um, thanks, Mom. She's our one subscriber. So Yep. Aww. First of many. First of many. I love your yeah. mom. She's a nice lady. Um, anyway, no. Um, yeah, so and obviously this, this film has impacted a lot of people it sounds like and what other places it played in because i know it's obviously been all these awards like where has it gone to what uh, are the biggest ones that that it's hit i think probably nice international we won best best drama in uh, nice france and that was pretty big then we also won the um the award in uh, julian dubuque i think that was the audience award is that one the one in Iowa? It's in Iowa, yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a great small indie fest that really treats the filmmakers great. Um, we we were in Pasadena. We were in one in Hollywood. I mean, when I say like a lot of festivals, I mean a lot of festivals. But um, there was actually even a few that were human like um, human issues festivals that are looking for like cause films, and we were in sure. a few of those as well. Did you budget ahead? Were you prepared for all those uh, fees you have to pay when you submit to festivals? No, and um, we definitely had to do a fundraiser to come up with those funds to be able to submit it. Uh, it's, a, it's such a racket, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask certain festivals <laughs> if you can, like, you know, say, hey, we have this film, would, yeah. you, would Yo, you help us out? To support those film festival 
uh, people that are in charge, it's not free for them either, bro. No, I get it, but still, it's a, it's a lot of money. You don't think how much money it costs to submit to individual festivals. It's, it's true. It adds up. It definitely, definitely does. Especially the online ones. You're like, what, 50 bucks just to show it online? Yeah. <laughs> I'll just put it up on YouTube 50 for bucks to buy that laurel? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even get one? Come on. Yeah. So speaking of that, that's a good that's a good segue, um, because a lot of our audience is like up-and-coming filmmakers. Not that we're all not, but like, Looking back, now that that project's completed, what do you wish that you would have known, or if you could tell your younger self, or other filmmakers out there, it's like, what do you n now know? Go with your gut. Always go with that uh, the intuition, or as uh, Lou, you guys says, uh, your oh, yeah, spidey Lou, yeah. sense. Um, if you get a feeling about someone, definitely listen to it. We definitely had hurdles. Um, like what? We had an issue with a producer who we had to actually two that we ended up having to let go of from the project just because it it wasn't really like um, a healthy working <laughs> relationship. So as a result of that, we just basically said, you know what, we we have to get somebody in here and. Um, Jacob, who was our sound guy from the first round of filming, we ended up saying, uh, Jacob, we really need to find another producer who can like, you know, take the helm and help us finish this film. And what was the problem? You don't have to get too specific, um, but what was the issue? We had a producer that was stealing funds and it wasn't even like a lot of money. It was, you know, Yikes. petty cash. It's like things that, you know, wow. Wow. you use for just No wonder there was no things. crafty. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Like, can I, I get a coffee? No, I'm sorry, we're all out. Sorry, talk um, to that producer. Yeah, so we definitely had those hurdles. But when you look at the film, you'd never guess that those existed. When I tell people, they're just like, do you believe in angels? I hope you do, because you have a guardian angel. This this should not look as good as it does with what you've explained happened on set. I was telling Johnny, the film looks just as professional as if I would have seen it in like theaters or something Aww, like that. thank you. It looked... Like, it looked like it, I heard here it was your first feature film. My like, I don't buy first. it. It looked like a real one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was my first feature. I'd done a couple shorts, but I, I think I, I definitely bit off more than I could chew for my first feature. And I think it's important for people to understand less is more. Um, you know, they say don't work with, you know, kids and animals. And I was just like, hey, I'm going to yeah, work seriously. with five of them. Let's yeah. do this. Um, so that was challenging, but... I'm the kind of person where I like a challenge, and I think most filmmakers do. If it was easy, you wouldn't really appreciate it, and there's there's just so much grit you have to go through, right. and you do go through those hurdles. I, I think it doesn't matter what project it is. Whether it's big or small, it really doesn't matter. You will have something that comes up, and I think it's just important to have that determination of saying, I'm not going to let this break me. This is going to get finished. It's, it will be completed, and I'm going to see it through. And so you just kind of have to stick to your guns on that. Isn't some of the problem solving some of the fun part? I feel like like you're like, ah, this thing, all right, let's just, uh, we'll figure it out. But then it's because like it's the reward of getting through it is makes it all worth it. It does. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I went through all this stuff. This happened, this happened, this happened. But I have this finished product and I'm, I'm happy with, you know what I mean? Like it's just it's something about It's very rewarding. It is. And I think that when you have a project that you're really proud of, that just makes all of those hurdles worth it. Would you work with kids again? I would. No. <laughs> I would. Um, but for the next film, I'm probably not going to be. Take a break. A little <laughs> yeah, break. A little break. I mean, it's definitely a difficult subject film, but it's going to be what is no the children. Um, well, it's working title right now is Attention Whore, and it's about Ooh. how... Feature? It's a feature, and it's about how... Um, it's about Johnny? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Johnny on set, a documentary. Oh, poor Johnny. I was, a I was a nice guy. Yeah. Nice guy. No, actually, and sorry to segue, but Johnny was incredible with the kids on set. I mean, I have to say, I have photos from set with him letting the kids they put, put makeup, makeup on, on him cool and he just was really patient with them he always wanted to make sure they were comfortable and so we were all on the same you know boat on that and i think because of that it's what made the film what it is and why the kids felt so comfortable with filming those difficult scenes that's good nice i was gonna ask you about that I, it's like after was, you after you're you know like whispering in their ear menacingly mustang exactly <laughs> you know, you're my mustang put some makeup on me I like that shade of lipstick. Yeah. What was the, um, for a movie so, you know, serious and gritty, like, was there any room to ad lib on this one for the actors, especially working with kids? This guy. 
I played around. Mustang wasn't even in the script. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was in there. Oh. That was in there. But, um, yeah, I mean, you definitely, I, I liked, I really liked working with you because, I mean, you knew what you wanted, but you also gave me liberty to kind of experiment and like kind of play around with it, especially if I was in a moment yeah. or if I felt something, I could just go with it. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But, you know, at least you try it and you, you see what happens. Well, I think that's what's so great about you as an actor specifically is you totally commit. You just are 100% on board and you're like, I'm going to do this. And some scenes were really hard for Johnny. I mean, I know one scene in particular where he really was emotionally moved by it. And I found that scene to be so perfect because I saw how much it moved him just acting it out. Which one? With the little girl? No, with actually. The older girl? It was with the... It was with Kendall, right? And you were, oh yeah, she's the older version. Uh, yeah, no, she no. plays um, older Kim in the film, and he just he was moved by it for whatever it was worth. I mean, you'd have to ask him, but he just was incredible. Yeah, Acting you'll, baby, you'll, you'll never know why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice, but now you have uh, this new one. I do, and uh, attention horror is about how gun violence is linked to bullying in American schools. So it's Ooh. it's another difficult. So, so another light. Yeah, totally. Light comedy. Light. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so people not... get bullied, and that leads to them picking up a gun. Yeah. There's actually been statistics to prove that bully kids are much more likely to pick up a weapon. I, I mean, I believe it. Yeah. It's like you're not going to pick up one if you have a great home life. Mm-hmm. So no comedies for you? I actually did write a comedy. I remember and, you were telling horror. me about it yeah. before. You're, I thought that was going to be your next film. I, I want that one, but... For some reason, I don't know what it is, but Attention Whore gave me that same like tickle down my spine that I got from I Am Still Here. And I was like, mm. okay, maybe I just need to listen to like the universe and this is the next one. Well, it's timely, it's relevant. Yeah. So that might be the reason why. But isn't won't that one still be with kids if you're talking about bullying? No, I'm definitely going to be casting 18 and up oh, looking nice. younger. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, we can all play that. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys got your headshots and resumes out? Uh, let's exactly. bring those. Okay. <laughs> Um, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Um, I know, so you're, you're going to be working on your second feature now, but um, what was it initially that really kind of inspired you to even become a filmmaker or a screenwriter, essentially? Um, I guess I've always been writing. I've always been a storyteller. It's just kind of in my bones, I guess. I mean, my, my mom loves to tell this story and embarrass me where, you know, she says when I was really little, like three or four, I would take her vitamin bottles and I would tell stories with them while she was cooking and she's like even then and she's like you were telling like really like over the top stories for a three or four year old she's like it was Mm. really just like wow where is this coming from vitamin pill bottles vitamin pill bottles wow yeah but even after that I just I loved writing and telling stories that you know make people think and feel is it easy for you to write dialogue yeah, I mean, dialogue isn't usually hard. I, I do this thing with uh, Catherine when we co-write where we'll usually say lines out loud just to kind of see how they sound because, you know, they can read really great on paper, but until you hear them, you really don't yeah. know how it's going to sound and translate. I always found it, I thought it was, I think it's for me, it's hard to write female dialogue, like for me. Yeah. That's, you notice You and no the p- other men in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I guess I'm, they're just like, guys. I mean, I definitely do focus usually on women's stories just because I think they're so often underrepresented specifically totally. in Hollywood. Um, so for me, that's that's my go-to. But I don't know. I, I don't usually have too much of a hard time writing men's dialogue. I, I guess because I know a lot of men. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. So, th- <laughs> so this next feature, is it going to feature a, um, a strong female lead or what? Is yeah, that it's awesome. It's great. Yeah, so it, it's basically you're following a, a track star whose life starts to unravel after her bullied brother, who is older than her, ends up shooting up the school. Mm. So it's taking a look at gun violence from the point of view of bullying, and not really from just is the message to ban guns or. I think it's it's an important dialogue to have just about where we are with guns and how far we need to go to actually make sure that people are safe, regardless of whether you're looking at um, basically any kind of a shooting happening at a sporting event, a restaurant, you know, a movie theater. I think oftentimes we just 
we become desensitized to it. And we always say, you know, oh, sending thoughts and prayers, but what are we doing? And for me, it's always been about action. You want to change things, make that change. And so I think, you know, people say, oh, movies, how are you, how are you going to, you know, start something? But I think movies have a lot of potential to get a dialogue going. And then you don't have to make it pro-gun, anti-gun. I think it's more along the lines of what can we do to be responsible with guns to see that we don't have any more of these horrible mass mm-hmm. shootings? Well, like, even, like it. even the one in, like, New Zealand that happened not too long ago, like, it's like they have a shooting, and it's like, all right, guys, we've got to fix this, and mm-hmm. already they're, like, banning semi-automatic weapons, and yep. it's just like, but, like, over here, it's kind of like, well, just another shooting, another day, another week, you know, nothing well, really happens. Do you think we should ban guns, Johnny? Well, I guess the question is, actually, I was going to ask you, is, like, do you ever think we will ever ban guns here? I think until we get big business, like the NRA out of politics, right. it it won't happen. But I do think that I'm seeing younger generations who are becoming more political because of the current climate that we're seeing. And as a result of that, I think that generation, specifically our generation and younger, is going to be the ones that are really making those changes we want to see. Yeah. Very cool. And you mentioned your writing partner. I know Mm -hmm. a lot lot of our audiences are up-and-coming writers. How did you meet this writing partner? (laughs) And like, what's your... You say the dialogue out loud. Do you have any other strategies when you're writing with her? Um, well, so Catherine and I met in college. We met at Chapman. Um, we had a writing class together, and then we just hung out. We're friends for a while after, you know, uh, after college. And then one day we were just talking. We're like, do you want to just see if we can write something together, how nice. that goes? Just test it out. And we ended up writing a horror together. And it's, you know, it's still one of my favorite scripts. It's just very fun. It's a contained horror. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one for horror films at all. I don't like, you know, blood, guts and gore, but she loves horror films. So I was like, okay, you take the reins on this one. And then right after that, we ended up writing another one, which was uh, the musical comedy. And so I got to put more of my voice in that one. So it's just, it's, I think it's figuring out which script is closer to your heart and then getting excited about what it is you're writing and bringing it to life with somebody that loves this idea as much as you do. It really is a balancing act to say, hey, let's make this movie about a drama. And so we've written actually now two dramas together, which she's not super in love with dramas, but I think she likes that the way that I enjoy writing kind of challenges her to go places that she normally wouldn't go as a writer. Um, and she forces me to really be on schedule because I'm very ADD when it comes to writing. And I'm like, well, I have this other idea. And she's like, no, she's very much like the drill sergeant to say, okay, are you going to send me pages this week? And so it's just keeping each other accountable and, and having a good balance of you know work and friendship. But I definitely think it helps if there's you know some kind of a friendship there too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and wait, she's the one that keeps, she's the drill sergeant? Oh, yeah, totally. Nice. <laughs> she, she keeps me in check, you know, cracks the whip. Nice. <laughs> she's good that way. And was she your, she wrote, I am still here? No, I wrote, oh, I am still here. here. Okay. Excuse yeah. us, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, who invited you to this podcast? Hey, oh. me. <laughs> so how far along are we with uh, tension horror? Um, it's, is it written? It's is it, written. It's okay, so done. that's going through the, the drafts and all that good stuff. Yeah, we're I think on our like fourth draft, and then now we're hoping to get it out there to some producers and nice. get it made. That's that's the goal. That is the goal, of course. Yeah. So for people that are writing, like, what do you recommend for someone's like? I just want to write a feature, but I I, I don't feel like I know where to start. Like, what to do? Like, do you write every day? Like, what's what's the method to keep it going? I don't write every day. I um. I write when I am motivated to, uh, unless I'm on a writing deadline with Catherine, you know, with the cracking of the whip. But other than that, um, I think it's just important to challenge yourself. They have books that you can buy if you don't know, like, how to tap into that creative potential, where um, I don't even remember who writes it, but there's a, a San Francisco a writers group that came out with a book that's like over 600 things to write about. And it just asks you really out-of-this-world questions that you wouldn't really give a lot of thought to on your own, and, you know, it forces you to write about it. So things like, oh, you're sitting next to someone on a plane, describe them, what are they doing, what's their job, you know, things like that. Or, hey, you know, you um, you describe a long-lost 
roommate that you haven't talked to or seen in a while. So things like that. And it's just, it definitely forces you to write about something you weren't even thinking about previously. Yeah. I could never. Is, I mean, is, I could. Is there a, like a, what movie inspired you growing up? They're like, if I, if like a movie that you look at, I would love to make a movie like this, write slash direct, something like this. Oh gosh. Um, well, I have, I have quite a few that I'm like really in love with. Uh, one that's like kind of like near and dear to my heart, fantasy film, which is uh, Edward Scissorhands. I saw that mm. when I was four years old, and Love I it. just bawled my eyes out. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so – I feel so sorry for Edward. My mom had to, like, <laughs> sit me down, and she goes, Edward's not real, sweetie. He's what, an wait, actor. He's <laughs> <laughs> and I was so he's upset. Real. I was so – I was so upset. I mean, who wouldn't want to have scissors for hands? Come on. Am I the only one? He had such a talent. Anybody wanted that. He, they, he had to deal with with, li- with what life gave Dude, him. Dude, we'll get you that. Professional we'll, landscaper. We'll get you that. <laughs> he was really good. But he was so lonely and alone up there. That's a good movie. It's true, he was. Any other ones? Um, I really do love uh, Sunset Boulevard. Okay. Classic. It is a classic. It's the one where the guy, like, there's a... From the, the third, writer. Third person, and the person's face down in the pool. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And Some Like It Hot is probably one of my favorite comedies. Mm. Is that the Marilyn Monroe? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. nice. Old school classics. I do like classics. Yeah. I don't think we make them like that anymore. Is there any new ones that that you've seen recently where you're like, oh man, that was a. Ooh, I've seen recently. Um, I did like uh, on the basis of sex. Ah, I heard that was really good, but it's, I hadn't seen that it one. It is really good. It looked who, good. Everybody who saw it said it was good. Who yeah. directed? Who was in that? It's um oh gosh uh, I don't remember the name of the lead the lead uh, woman in that but it's, it's oh my gosh I, I remember seeing it I'm like oh this is gonna get nominated for stuff but it didn't get nominated for like anything I think it got like one nomination right but it was like something more like obscure I felt like yeah and yeah. I I did love Get Out Get Out okay, was cool. incredible refreshing what'd you like about very, it just every, title. everything about it. I mean, it's one of those films that really takes, because it, it's very much like Stepford Wives, but it's like a new retelling of it. And the thing with writers is so often we're, we're hung up on trying to find something new. And it's really not about finding something new because everything's been done under the sun. It's finding an existing story and putting your own spin on it so that it feels new and fresh. And I think when you do that, you kind of get out of your own head and it forces you to be a little bit more creative to say, well, I'm going to tell this story this way. Mm. And it, it just becomes more effective, I think. Did you see Us? I haven't yet. I'm, okay. I'm going to see it this weekend. No spoilers. It's going to be hard, hard to compare. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go in holding it up to uh, Get Out, you know, I think go in with a clean slate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's good you advice. saw it already? No, but I just that's what I'm going to do when I see it. <laughs> okay. Good strategy. Get Out was so good, you know? <laughs> and while we talk, guys, I'm going to pepper in. We asked our audience some specific questions, them knowing that we have a writer-director sitting with us. So, Misha, if you'll allow, I have. This one is a question unnamed. We got these off Reddit, and some of these Reddit people are... Very talented. Well, you, you just don't know at what level in their career they're at. But anyway, this is the question. I work on a new media TV show. It's a drama. There is this there is this certain director that I cannot stand. Um, I think this person, he, I think he might be the DP or something. There's this certain director that I can't stand that I guess directs some of the TV shows. He, is, he does at least two episodes a season, minimum. And it's not that he's a creep. It's just that he isn't good. Like, the job he does isn't that good, I guess, in this person's opinion. And this show is really important to me, but I think I need to say something. What would you do? Ooh. If you did so this, so this direct- person doesn't like the director that occasionally comes on and he it's like wants- like the guest director. I guess so. so bad, he needs to say something. And I guess because of the job <laughs> this guy does, would you say anything? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on this person's position at the company. I, I think, mean, I didn't write it down, but I think it was not an actor. It was some sort of production, like higher up production. Higher up production. So, so I'm, like assuming, a, like DP, DP or I'm something. assuming DP. Oh, um, I mean. I wouldn't say anything. I don't think I would because you're going to always have people that you necessarily don't get along with. But as long as you guys have the same hope of making a great film or a great product, maybe this person actually should talk to other members and just kind of gauge what they feel about it. And if, you know, they're kind of a lone wolf in these feelings, maybe it's best for the project to stifle what you're feeling because, you know, end result is stronger and, and that's what you want. You want a finished film 
that boat or project that you can both be proud of. Yeah. I would just That's feed true. him compliments. You're killing it, man. You're <laughs> killing it out Dude, there. This shot? Oh my god, great shot. Wow, your vision is And if he sucks, it'll just work itself out, you know? Yeah. yeah because sure. I think if if people are too, you know, involved and you make it that like you have to say something when it's really necessarily not your place to, I think you can create more problems for yourself on set with other people. It just it's better to keep it keep it clean on your side of the street. I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't know one person that, that would say, hey, say something. I think so this I, guy who wrote the question has got a bad attitude. I'd look <laughs> in the mirror before you yeah. judge that one director. Yeah. Maybe he's like the PA. Yeah, he could be the PA. <laughs> I don't know. I always want more information. I'm tired of getting them coffee. Yeah. What else we got? We got two more questions. Let's just all get right. into all of them. Let's do it. All right, this <laughs> okay. is why we're here. All right. When casting slash auditioning, I guess as a director, from a director's point of view, when casting slash auditioning, Oh, is it better if the actors get 100% of the lines memorized, or is it better to get the character slash the performance down? That's a good question. 100% the character performance. 100%. Uh, lines can be learned later on. I mean, if you really want them to say exactly what the line says, but oftentimes what I've discovered, specifically working with Johnny, is that you get people that can kind of improv and, and spitball other ideas, and then you find something else that you weren't even thinking about before, and it's just because of the beauty of filmmaking with it being collaboration across, you know, so many different people giving a little bit of their own input to make it what it is. True. When you um, are casting and you're seeing these hundreds of actors, I read an interview you did online, you said 300 actors you had to, you had to go through. Do you, do you start to see, like, the the same, you know, kind of the way they do the performance? Do you start to see, like, people just kind of doing it the same way? or I, I mean, I don't remember feeling that it was, like, a monotonous, you know, audition process because everybody brought something different or unique to it. Uh, we did have people who were like, this is great, and other people were like, mm, this isn't the right fit. So it just, mm. I think it really... It does depend, but I don't remember specifically feeling that all of the performances were the same. I think if that's what you're seeing, then you're not seeing the actor that you have fallen in love with yet, so to speak, that really moves you and you're like, that's your part. True. Cool. And any, like, I, mean, I think I remember you saying that there was like a couple of people that came that was like, it was, they were a little weird. At the audition? Um, yeah, like one guy <laughs> was, like, was like really into it. And then, um, he, he did great for this creepy role. And I was like, <laughs> it's a okay, testament to them. This is, this is great. And then he sends me an email and he's like, I can't do this. I, I need to have, I need to have the part of John. I need to have redeeming uh, qualities about myself. And I was like, I've already cast John. Like that's not up for debate. It's done. Whoa. So it was just, you know, it was, making demands. And it, was, it was a little weird. I think as an actor, it's strange if you start sending, you know, what those demands are before you've even been cast. It's just, it, it does leave a bad taste in. Sorry, producer. Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Stop doing that. Yeah. You're not John. Oh, sorry. Your agent should make those demands, right? Yeah. Or just roll with it, buddy. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, the one guy that was, uh, I don't remember his name, but there was the guy that played the, the heavy set pedophile. Yes. David. The candy. The candy. Yeah. Guy. He was a nice dude. I just, uh, the candy guy. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, I just remember meeting him on set and like seeing the scene and unfold and I'm just like, wow, this is probably how this thing would really look and go down. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, like, I don't know where you guys found this dude, but this is great. Believe it or not, when, okay, so we originally tried to get the film made, I want to say in like 2012, I think. And uh, we had a film grant that like we had kind of secured and we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to cast this. And we ended up losing the film grant because in Canada, there's this law where you're not even allowed to imply or obviously depict a sexual situation happening between an adult and a child. That's their way of trying to combat trafficking, which mm. obviously it isn't really working because they still do have a trafficking problem in Canada. But that's that's their attempt at, you know, it's not a good it. idea, though, in your opinion, that's not the way to, to handle this situation. Yeah. We need to we talk need, about it. People exactly. need to be aware of all the information. A hundred percent, yes. Make it a discussion. And, and that's the only way that you will get change. I think sweeping things under the rug really just adds to the problem. I agree. I agree. We need to talk about it, you know, find out what's going on. Yeah. yeah. And specifically, like in the nitty gritty wise, how did you get funding for this feature, I Am Still Here? Because that's some, some one of my biggest questions, just making short films and feature films and stuff. Like how specifically did you get yours made? 
We found actually a human rights group that works to specifically make arts projects that are about human rights issues. And so they were looking for a project. And other than that, we ended up doing, you know, fundraising on Indiegogo. And for that, uh, what, what was the name of the organization? Human Rights Capital. Okay, cool. Um, they, you submit something to them. You submit basically like a whole... I, like a lookbook, and you have to have everything out, the script, the outline, everything. And once you put it on Indiegogo, um, then you have to basically, how do you get people to contribute? You just have to talk it up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you have to promote. I mean, if you're not promoting your work, who will? You're going to lose some friends, but <laughs> hey, you're going to gain some money. Yeah, basically. And you're going <laughs> to solve an important <laughs> issue. And your your feature film was funded. That's right. I mean, we've, 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 we've uh, crowdfunded films before. Yeah, and It's hard. And you just, you got to keep pushing it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And just talk to people. I think networking is a really big part of this industry. I mean, for a long time, I was just like, oh, I feel like some of these people are being so phony. And, you know, I, I didn't like that because I'm very real, no BS. And I'll tell you exactly how I feel about something, even with writing. Like if I read someone's script, I'm like, you know, this could be better. Uh, and I'll tell them how to get there. But I just don't believe in being phony and fake nice because that's just not who I am. You know, you just. It's tough. It nice. is. It's, yeah. And it's an industry it's where a lot of people don't <laughs> want to hurt your feelings, but then they're, they're not doing you any favors by telling not telling you exactly what's real. But when you walk away, they're like, oh, my God, that was yeah. awful. Yeah. You know, I know. so I, I'd rather be honest with people and let them know kind of where I stand with whatever it is I'm looking at. Nice. Yeah. And I, cause I even remember like when we first initially were shooting all the stuff in the house and, you know, I think you had, yeah, the other producer that was working on it and then all this stuff happened. And then I remember getting a phone call saying like, Hey, you know, we're taking a hiatus mm -hmm. and in my head, I'm thinking like, well, I've heard this before. Uh -huh. I was just like, I've been hurt before. Well, I guess, uh, <laughs> this film is not going to get made. And I, and I was, you know, I was disappointed cause I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, a, a great project and. I had high hopes for it, but then, you know, you've, you've heard that same song and dance before you're right. like, whatever the situation has happened, it's never going to come back. So I was actually surprised. Well, I was really surprised that, and, and you know, that, that's, a, that's a testament to Stephanie Bell though. She's an incredible yeah. producer. I mean, she, she shut down production. She's like, we're going to get our ducks in a row and then we're going to resume. Yeah. So I think we took uh, almost like two and a half weeks, right? Yeah, it was, it was a good time. It was a good chunk of time. You can't wait too long because those yeah. kids are growing up. Exactly. And we, <laughs> like six we months. learned that good. the hard way. Really? <laughs> Some of, oh, yeah. When we had to do reshoots, we had to get creative with our angles because, you know, our little Aaliyah went from like yay tall to yay yes, tall. I saw her IMDb picture. It doesn't even look like no. her in the film. I yeah, know. she was now completely she's different. All, all adults. Uh, well, she's <laughs> so all grown up. They're growing so fast. I hope she remembers me. I'm sure she does. <laughs> I'm sure she does. And speaking, our, our very last question has to do with that money thing we were talking about. Some person asked, how do you deal with producers slash suits that only <laughs> seem to focus on money? Any tips? Oh, gosh. That is a loaded question. Yeah. Um, well, I think with Hollywood in general, a lot of these people are suits and they're wanting to see things that will pay out and give them their money back because for them it's a business and that makes sense and it does make sense because they want something that they feel will be you know a, a for sure thing which is why we're seeing a lot of these reboots of things that you know yeah. were 10 20 years ago and we're like oh we're doing this again but they feel that there's already an established audience so they don't have to work too hard because there's already that base that they have to depend on for ticket sales and for purchases of Blu-rays or DVDs. And so I think that's the way they look at it. But a creative, you know, you're, you're so in love with your, your work and you, you have to unfortunately find some compromise. You have to convince the suits that this is something worth investing in and, and partaking in. And I think that it's learning to kind of push yourself as a pseudo suit because you want to make money on the back end too. Right. And, and that's the thing is with indie filmmaking, there's not a lot of money to be made in it because, you know, it is a struggle, especially when you're doing a film that, you know, has difficult themes or a different, a difficult storyline that people may have trouble following because of that subject matter. But 
there's there's something to be said for sticking to your guns as a filmmaker, telling those stories and saying, you know what? We're going to find the right people to go to. And I think that's a big part of it is don't just look at any suit and say, I'm going to just pitch it to all of them. Really find people that have done work similar to what it is you're trying to tell as that story. If, you've, if you're trying to pitch someone a drama that's, you know, about an underdog, find other films where it was an underdog's tale and it is a drama and you're, you're going after those suits. But it's really being consistent in finding the right people to approach to pitch the film to. I like it. Beautifully said. I know when Aaron and I, we did a Lifetime film uh, like a year and a half ago, and the producers were on set, like seeing this filmed, and uh, the director was interested in making a just like a dark version. He wanted to make his, his version. You know, he already, they planned it out totally, but sometimes the shots would be a little too dark for him. Mm. And, the, and the producers would come by and say, like, oh, it's a, it's a little dark, too dark, not quite the Lifetime kind of sentimental image or whatever they're trying to do also we had to beg the producers for like an extra shooting day right so quick tight tight budget but um but his strategy was that he told me uh when they would come by and say something like oh that shot's it's a little it's a little dark isn't it he'd be like yeah isn't it great (laughs) (laughs) and and act like it was a good idea because he knew if he like ground his heels in the ground you know they would then then they would like latch onto that no it's not good but instead he just acted like he's just like oh yeah no big deal Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is filmmakers stick to your guns. If you feel that you are right about whatever it is as as a writer and the story you're trying to tell, I mean... I never had any real issues with uh, Stephanie and Lou. There was, I know there's one scene that Lou was like, you are not doing that. And it was a scene where in the script, you know, uh, Johnny's supposed to point a gun at... uh, little Layla oh, yeah. and was that in the house that was in the, the other the, house the realtor comes yeah, by yeah, yeah yeah and so Lou was like you are not doing that I was like well okay I'm picking my battles why why did he have an he issue he just I think it was just too disturbing for him to see and so I wasn't gonna fight him on that because he let he and Stephanie let me do anything, anything else, else that I wanted to do and so it was really only that one scene that he had a problem with and that I doesn't said, even seem as bad as some of the other stuff I yeah, know I, know. I, I was going to say I'm like that's not even <laughs> but but you know I just wanted to be respectful for what he asked and so we ended up having it where you know Johnny's pointing the gun near near the door where the guys on the other side of it so you just kind of you know pick your battles it's you have to know that not everything is going to go exactly the way you want it because you have it where it's a collaboration. You have a lot of people and you have a lot of, you know, ideas. And so basically certain people's ideas are going to stick. And sometimes you need to bend a little bit and and be flexible. But that's that's the whole beauty of filmmaking is you do get a lot of different um, personalities in the mix and, and different people that want to make a really amazing finished film they can be proud of. If you could change one thing about the movie, just one, what would you go back and change? Oh, gosh. You know, I, I've thought about that. I really have. And I'm like... Yeah, I haven't slept at night thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> Keeps me up. Actually, I don't think there's anything else I'd change. I okay. mean, it's it's kind of like that was the past and now right. I'm, I'm moving on to right. the next nice. thing. I don't want to obsess over it. And that's, that's the whole thing, right? Kevin Smith talks about like, you have to kill your babies. Mm. And, and that's the thing is you can't be haunted by, Oh God, I wish I got this shot. Right. And, oh, I, I wish I'd done this. It there, you know, it's a moot point. It's if like, you love them, set them free. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is you, Kill your babies, you know, unfortunately. That's so you a healthy way to look at it. Kill your babies. <laughs> <laughs> so there's not going to be a sequel. Not I am to still here, too. What about a prequel with this guy's a young man? <laughs> you know, actually, one of the No, because scenes- I can't play the role. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the scenes with him was one of my favorites is him getting very emotional while looking at a ring. And... For me, that scene is really important because it shows that trafficking is kind of something that a lot of people can learn. You know, um, what we're seeing is traffickers often will teach their families to do the same thing, and especially in third world countries. And so for me, it was really important to give Johnny an opportunity to explore a more sentimental, vulnerable side of himself because he is this really great bad guy but you want to also show that he's he's real and he's got layers and is multi-dimensional and and real i like that scene. sure yeah i'm so i was so glad that you added that scene oh, in me too when i was because i was like i'm not just a horrible person yeah. in every scene like there's more 
there's just more layers, more complexity Absolutely. to this human being that's gone through all these things. So it was like a huge thing. Like when that this when that, when that scene was, you added that in there. I was like, oh man, that's so great. Yeah. Like it just there was just so much there. That, that came later. Favorites. That came later. Yeah, that was See? in the reshoots that we did. Yeah. Became yeah. the good guy then. I became the hero of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Um, yeah. Any more audience questions? Those are the top three. So I did have a, you know the, the usual questions. Yeah, you know, we, Aaron's got a couple questions for you too. Well, they're more like rapid fire, like you know. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. No, it's not. <laughs> you, you can say as little or as uh, much or as little as you want. Okay. Because you know this podcast is not just you know four friends talking about movies. It's also a product of its time. You know we're living in crazy times in 2019. So I'm just going to hit you with some topics. It's and about if you, life. If you want to say anything on these topics, you can. Don't have to. Whatever you want. <laughs> okay. um, what's your favorite TV show? Game of Thrones. Yeah. Nice. Hey, who, who's going to... I've never seen the show, actually. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. What? I've never seen the show. I just... It's so many seasons, I'm like lazy to catch up. Oh, yeah, but you watch it. The Wire, no problem. Yeah, but the, the show's been off air for God knows how long. Yeah, but you're down to like the last season. This is the like time to catch up. seasons to watch. Let me ask you I'm going to love it. That's the problem. Who, I know. Will, who will be the Game of Thrones? Oh, who will be the King of Thrones? Am I allowed to say? Like, am I allowed to, like, well, it's a guess. spoil? Well, you, oh, she knows. <laughs> she knows. No, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But I really do think it's going to be Jon Snow. That's what everybody thinks. But here's the thing. I also feel that way, too. But wouldn't it be so un-George R.R. Martin-esque to... That's a whole... We, we all expect him to be the final winner. What if he just... I think people usually expect the Mother of Dragons. But I would say she lost it when she fell in love with Jon Snow. She, like, threw some of her power, some mm -hmm. of her want. Now she wants Jon a little bit. Yeah. So now Jon's will be the reluctant king. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do this season, especially since they're doing longer episodes. So it's going to definitely feel more, you know, cinematic. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious to see what they what they do and what storylines they explore. I I mean I'd love to see Peter Dinklage. Yeah, <laughs> also, that would be that would be great because yeah. he's just so so fun as a character. Yeah. Okay. Next uh, topic. What are your thoughts on Build the Wall? Oh, God, what a waste. Let's do it. <laughs> just kidding. It's so yeah. Um, I I have a lot of issues with that. I just don't think it's going to do any good. Um, especially after you know the whole. <laughs> Thing that happened with the the news media discovering that tunnels are being dug and you know you have people that are bringing things over with ships it, it's just like what's the purpose of hey that? that wall just got 10 feet higher <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous i i mean a lot of things i kind of am asking myself is this the america that i grew up in and, you know it's very strange and i feel like we've gone back in time in a lot of things such as women's rights so you know, it's it's kind of a really interesting time to be alive. Women's rights? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. We have mean? a president that openly. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank did you. you. Did you forget? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, there's no legislation. I we're still <laughs> talking about the wall or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's. Uh, I get it. Okay. Um, what do you think about Bitcoin? I don't think about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna make it. Huh? It's, it's too late. <laughs> no. What are your thoughts on the new uh, Aladdin movie? Are you psyched? You're gonna watch it. <sighs> I don't know. Genie's kind of scary looking. It just looks. You don't like, like Will Smith? It, I do. I just think it's a really tough act to follow mm, when you definitely. look at Robin Williams and just his comedic genius. When it's he's just, following a cartoon. Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> well, you know that they are. They're obviously they're going to do the same songs from the original. Do you think Will right. Smith will uh, rap over Friend Like Me? Probably. <laughs> I, I imagine it would be interesting to see like a throwback to like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> It is. Or Wild Wild West when he did the rap. Or Men, Men in Black. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on global warming or climate change? Um, I think it's a no-brainer, but apparently we still need to have these conversations, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, no, it's a, a no-brainer no problem? Uh, it's absolutely a problem, especially since we have a, a president that doesn't believe, you know, in science. Right. <laughs> Things like that. China caused it, right? It's or getting hot in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so have. obviously the uh, the new uh, presidential election is still over a year away. Presidential election still over a year away. But, uh, you know, Trump is going to be challenged by somebody. Is there any Democratic candidates that you are liking? I do like Kamala Harris. Okay. Um, and, you know, I... Uh, I like Beto also. He's just great. Um, 
I, I think he stands for what more of the younger generations are looking for. And, and I, I want to see a politician that believes in science and wants <laughs> to make America back to what it was and, and, and actually thrive. You know, like we have so many of backwards thinking with the politicians of, you know, leaning on coal and, and things that we know are not good for the environment and, and building pipelines that we know leak. And when you look at those things, we just, I, I really do personally feel that the greed that man has, we are ruining this perfect world that in all other cases would not exist in any other world. Like we, we are the only life form that has been discovered that is at where we're at. You know, there's there's nothing like that on any other planet. I was just watching the new Will Smith uh, documentary, and it, seen the first episode. yeah, I it was it. it was blowing my mind because it's like we're in this Goldilocks zone where we are just right. We have the right amount of elements and, right. and carbon and oxygen and and so many other planets are out there, but none of them have what we have, and we're destroying it. So I kind of feel like mm. mankind in a lot of ways is like a cancer because we don't appreciate what we have, and we destroy everything around us. Mm. Yeah. Okay. True. Well said. Do you guys have any other uh, current event type questions? Or Not to get what, super what dark. <laughs> um, no, I can't think of anything unless you had a current event question. I have one more question just from our, from that I'm just, it yeah. could be from our audience out there because it's, okay. it's filmmakers, but it's also a lot of young actors. An audience of one. Let me hear. An it. audience <laughs> of one. This is my question. <laughs> okay. If you're, no, if you're, under if you're 18 to play younger or not necessarily for your next movie but for movies in general if some actor out there is wondering how do i audition for like how do i get in the room for those type of movies that you make i would love to be in film festivals and be talked about like johnny's being talked about what is the what would you give what advice would you give to actors wanting to play younger roles? No, actors that want to audition for you. Oh, that want to audition for me. Uh, they know well, nothing. We can just give me your phone number. Um, <laughs> yeah. just, uh, yeah. uh, follow me on social media. I definitely will be sharing anything and everything about Attention Horror as it's getting developed and, and go from there. I mean, I'm on Instagram and But do you uh, pull from agents? Do you... Uh, um, like how do you we, well, pull from Actors Access? Actors service. Access is what we used previously. And then um, we had another online service, but Catherine was really in charge of that. And Got the, you. Yeah, the submissions. So she kind of handles most of that stuff. Oh, yeah. She okay. was she was on top of it. I told you, drill sergeant. She's like... She is... Uh, yeah. She's yeah. Nice. Uh, no, she's Don't great. let that sweet, innocent face fool you. I know. There's <laughs> a whole tough exterior there where the hammer comes down. She's great. Um, I actually had a, another question, actually. Uh, would you ever consider directing something you didn't write? I would. Okay. Yeah. Has there been any, pro like, since I am still here, does anybody approach you saying, hey, would you like to direct this? I did have a couple writers reach out to me, but what was sent to me, it just didn't really wow me. Mm. Um, one was another, like, trafficking-type film, and I didn't want to get pigeonholed. Right, you wanted directing 10 features of human right. trafficking. Right, so, so for me, I was like, oh, unfortunately, I have to pass, and oh, but you were so great with it and with the kids. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, unfortunately with this industry, you very easily can get pigeonholed, and I don't want to be pigeonholed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. If you had cool. to work in one genre most of the time, what would it be? Probably drama. Dark, gritty drama. I, I yeah. love I love dramas. I think it's it's definitely what taps into our humanity and just makes us think about things that a lot of times people don't want to really, you know, accept or talk about whether it's you know our own feelings of inadequacy or anxieties or loneliness whatever it is i i love what dramas do i love exactly what you just described only with like dark comedies dark comedies yeah. dark comedies are great too they can start a conversation as well just like yes, we're having they right can. now absolutely yeah exactly the last question i had for you was if somebody out there is watching this and, and we hope at least one person. At least one person. <laughs> Hopefully my Your mom's mom watching, watching it. Yeah. She is. Or there's somewhere in the middle of Ohio. Our mom. Hey. Wondering, <laughs> how in the world do I become a director? I'm just sitting nowhere near New York or L.A. Like, what advice would you give them to get started? Sorry, buddy. It's too late. You can't do it. Oh, no. I would <laughs> never say that. I think you can start directing and writing at any age. It's really just having a story that you feel very passionately about. And... The thing is, we're 
alive at a very interesting time in, in uh, film history because we have access to iPhones and anything that you can possibly film on. I mean, it's it's ridiculous that we can now make a movie completely on an iPhone. And when you look at things like that, the technology, the advancements that are in place, it just makes it so easy and much easier than it was 20, 25 years ago. So I think with that being said, you know, the only thing that's holding you back is yourself. Mm. And if your mom doesn't buy you an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, save up. Android. Android's fine. They're better, actually. Whoa, dude. That's that's another conversation. Good time to end. Let's, uh, (laughs) Misha, thank you for coming today. We like to end with plugs. We kind of already talked about it a little, but could you give your social media handles? Yeah, it's just Misha Marcus. That's it. It's I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram and you know Facebook too. So come find Simple. me. <laughs> we will find you. There you go. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much again, seriously, for taking yeah, time you. out of your day to come join us and hang out with us for a little bit. And uh, you're awesome. You're awesome. I, uh, thank you guys so much for this. this loved working with you. You're wonderful. I'm still here. When you're and uh, when um attention whore. That's it, right? Yes. Yeah. When that comes out, we'd love to have you back and uh, promote yeah. the I would film. love to be here. We'll talk nice. about it. Awesome. Thank awesome. you guys. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. That was Surviving Hollywood. We will see you guys on the next one. Bowl for outro music. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't.